Hello and welcome to Coffee with Conservationists, the podcast where I sit down with anyone who dedicates their life to protecting, researching and documenting nature. I talk to them about their work in wildlife conservation, human and wildlife coexistence, community projects and worldwide environmental issues. For today's coffee feature, I'm bringing back an old favourite. Listen to the end to find out more. In this episode, I talk with Jess Charlesworth. Jess is an outdoor photographer and tour guide currently working from Northern Finland. I guess you could kind of call this a Christmas special as we talk about the surprisingly large amounts of captive reindeer in the UK and the many issues that come with keeping them here. Hi Jess, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me from isolation in the Arctic Circle, which I'm not going to lie is does not sound like the worst place to be isolating. And I mean, for for future reference, obviously we'll introduce you and everything in a minute, but just because we'll be talking about the degree later on, it's quite funny. Uh, you graduated last year from Falmouth University with a BA in Marine and Natural History Photography. Uh, this course and the course that I'm doing is slowly taking over the podcast. I think you're the fifth person I've had on who's associated with it in some way. Uh, oh, yes. so I've had one current student three graduates and Peter Kens, uh, the guy we um, visit in the Kengorms if trips were running as normal, which they're not, sadly, um, because COVID times. Um, but yeah, on a more, I was, I was going to say on a more positive note, but I realised now that that might be a pretty poor choice of words. <laughs> um, so let's say on a different note, um <laughs> let's get started we'll start things off by getting to know you a bit could you tell me about you and where your interest in the natural world first started okay cool so um hi my name is jess i'm 21 i'm currently as you before mentioned i'm in the arctic circle just uh working in a seasonal position as a tour guide in that land um and yeah so i live up in northeast scotland and that's where i'm primarily based I suppose and to answer the question where my interest in the natural world began would probably be a similar sort of answer. So I moved up to Aberdeenshire when I was 14 and accompanied by my mum's sort of um, interest in photography. The combination of the two, that's where it all started, photographing those landscapes, the rolling hills, the sea, everything. That's where it began. That's really cool. Um... We've had a lot of cool uh, origin stories, I like to call them, on here. Um, and it's really nice to, it's always good. I think I've got a couple, a very small audience, a really tiny audience of current MNHP students. Um, yeah. So it's really cool to have graduates on the podcast who are talking about their experiences of the course and be like, this is what I did before the course, this is what I did during, and this is what I'm doing now. And you can see that progression. It's really inspiring for a lot of people, I think. Um, That's great. So today's all about reindeer. <laughs> um, they're pretty synonymous with Christmas, being, as many of my listeners will know, the animals that pull Father Christmas's sleigh through the sky, making sure he gets to all his deliveries on time. And um, we see Absolutely. them in the UK around this time of the year. Um, we see them outside garden centres, farm shops, shopping centres even even on university campuses, pretty much everywhere. There's like a surprisingly yeah. large amount in uh, the UK. But what many of my probably, uh, I hope, animal-loving listeners don't know is where they go when Christmas is over. Like, so they kind of vanish and nobody ever sees them again until next Christmas. Now, your projects while studying at Falmouth University focused on the herds that are scattered around quite a bit of the UK. Could you tell me briefly about the project and kind of what, what initially led you down that path? Yeah, it's no problem. Um, so it started, the best way to put it was, so in your second year of marine natural history, as I'm sure everyone who's done it knows, you have to choose a volunteering experience. So I think it's a week or two you have to do. So um, Kengal Reindeer are literally maybe an hour and a half drive from my house back home. So that's where the initial like foundation works was like oh I'll go uh, volunteer with Cairngorm Reindeer for a week and they actually said yes um, but it, it didn't go through due to the whole Covid situation that's when the topic first came into my mind and then when I went to Hugh who runs that module he was like um, 
no, sorry, hold on. No, thank you. And I went to Hugh to brief him about what my dissertation was going to be about. And I was on the mind of thinking about reindeer. And it was all like a shot in the dark. I didn't know much about reindeer. And it turned into a lot more than I expected. Like I did end up getting very invested in it, especially emotionally. So once I started researching this basis of, okay, there's reindeer in the UK. It's working from the Cairngorms and then realising how much that expanded outside to like South England. And then starting to research where they came from how they got here in the first place because obviously they're not native animals and then that spiraled into the whole thing i was doing lots of research i then went and toured around the uk a little bit especially down the south going to these farms outside of the seasonal period and seeing firsthand what they were like but not even in an invasive way obviously i went with a slight bias but going to these people just to talk about what they're doing and how they found themselves there and then I even, so after doing my dissertation, which was, actually I had a lot of fun doing it and investigating, and it almost felt productive to be looking into this and talking to people actively about it. And then by the end of it, I submitted it and I did go work on a reindeer farm for two and a half weeks, which was definitely one of the most surreal experiences because I did end up going with this bias that what they were doing was inherently wrong and there was no way that it could be right. But after being in that environment so intensely and learning a lot about their perspective, it sort of it didn't mellow me out about it, but it made me realise where the fundamental issues are in this like an animal rights issue. And it's not necessarily all about, it's not everyone's evil, but there is a lot of points that are being missed and regulations that need to be brought into it. And then most recently, I suppose where it's brought me to is obviously I'm out here in Lapland at the moment, so I'm in um, I can't, I'm near, about three hours out of Rubber probably butchering saying that, I'm so sorry. Um, and yeah, and I ended up working with reindeer after a whole day, maybe uh, five days ago, and seeing, meeting Sami people who sort of work alongside the UK-based company I'm with. And that opened my eyes even more because I suppose I expected to see better animal rights here. And what I saw wasn't necessarily much better than what I saw in the UK, which really opened my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's um, quite surprising. But uh, I guess, yeah, with, with any kind of captive herd, there's always going to be issues. Um, I think that, I mean, you know a lot about, especially with a dissertation, it involves a lot of research. You know a lot about captive herds um, in terms of wild reindeer populations. You all good? Yeah, I've got you. Carry on. Cool. Sorry. So, yeah, in terms of wild reindeer populations, um, there's there's a whole host of, like, conservation issues facing them. Uh, I obviously have looked into these prior to the podcast but um for the sake of you talking as my guest and not me rambling on uh (laughs) could you give me a rundown of some of these issues and things that have kind of been done in the wild to 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 stop them yeah that's no problem so obviously before i say anything conservation it wasn't my area of study so much so i don't know an awful lot about it i know fundamentals um and to start with i suppose the term wild reindeer is correct in I think so Northern America. Alaska had caribou, and they are they are wild. They're not owned, but a lot of the reindeer we like to think about. So that is up in Finnish Lapland, and along that sort of belt. So Northern Scandinavia, um, almost all of them are owned or at least semi-domesticated. So just to get that out of the way. So there is a necessary wild reindeer mm-hmm. in the sense like we like to think them all. Because the other day I was on a bus and it had to emergency break because there was reindeer on the road because they were walking about. You sort of know like sheep in Wales. But yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. they are owned by someone. So if we did hear that yeah. reindeer, um, we would have had to have stopped and reported it like any other thing. It would have just been like an animal at the side of the road. Um, so that's, oh, that's one of the things I suppose. Anyway, we'll get on to that. So conservation issues for <laughs> reindeer. Um, so yeah, a big part of it is how, sorry, a big part of it is how their migratory route is affected. 
whether this is industrial or even um, climate change. So obviously a big part of their route up in the north, it's going to be a lot of ice, it's going to be a lot of snow or like frozen lakes and that's how they can get across to places despite them being good swimmers I do want to say this. So their migration routes from climate change whether that be the ice defrosting or any industrial ways, any road that's built that's going to change the way they go or even destroy that vegetation or habitat is going to lead to them declining in numbers through subsequent you know, points or making their journey even more difficult than it already was. But I think something that I learned was there, um, do you know about the midges or like the biting mosquitoes? Did you read about them? Uh, I've, I've heard a little bit, but not too much. Yeah, yeah. You might have to enlighten me. Here we go. Let me tell you then. <laughs> so I'm so invested. In I didn't even realise it. And you were like, yes, let's go talk about reindeer. I was like, yeah, you know, it's a bit old for me. Like it, it's been a while since I spoke about it. But anyway, yeah. right. These midges. Uh, so they're biting mosquitoes and they've always been a problem for reindeer, especially during so summer. Um, and due to changing temperatures, you know, uh, winter's not lasting quite as long or being quite as strong. This has resulted in an increase in these midges and therefore they're much more, uh, there's increased numbers and those increased numbers lead to more infections in the reindeer because they go and infect them and the reindeer are pretty um, vulnerable to their bites and they just end up dying. So I do believe that's one of the biggest in wild reindeer being specific is that climate change. But then isn't everything climate change? Real? Yeah, I mean, such a huge amount um, can be can be traced back to the climate crisis now. Um, I think yeah. Sorry, almost, climate crisis. Yeah, well, semantics is a is a definitely another whole issue. Maybe a whole other podcast episode. The semantics of uh, <laughs> climate journalism. Should um, we have a podcast about that? Sorry, go on. That would be good, actually, as as an idea for the future. And I'm running out of ideas um, slowly. <laughs> No, don't say that when you've got me on that you're running out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've genuinely wanted to speak to you about this for a long time because we've had obviously like loads of um, a few informal chats when you were back, back here in Falmouth about yeah. your work uh, at Falmouth. But um, it's really nice to, to get a, a proper view on it. Um, I mean, what's what is there anything being done to to help different herds obviously like you know if they're semi-domesticated their owners will try and take care of them but in terms of truly wild herds is there is there anything being done um to be honest i about really wild herds i wouldn't know there's nothing i've read about or there's nothing i've seen actively obviously there are classes vulnerable with the deteriorating um, environment around them mm. but nothing that I can that I would know about in mind. And I suppose in so places like Finland and Scandinavia, um, they're classed as farmed animals. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say so. No. Okay. Yeah, well I'll I'll have a look into it afterwards and I'll try and put some links in the episode description or something. Um Yeah, please do. Let me know as well. I'll be interested. I mean, definitely looking at more, uh, I want to focus on something quite sombre, kind of the animal welfare issues around keeping large mm -hmm. captive herds in a very, what is very much their um, non-native environment. Um, yes. Especially, I know there's uh, a, a very a couple, couple of them down here in Cornwall as a microclimate, which is quite uh, bad to think about. So obviously it does get very, very hot in the summer down here mm -hmm. compared to most of the rest of the UK. Um, what's your general opinion on these private herds in the UK having spent so much time with them? Do you think they're well managed or do you think people should be more focusing on helping them in their natural habitat? Yeah, no, love, love this question because I know how to answer it. So the herds in the UK, anyone can buy a reindeer. Mm. If you wanted one, you could have one. I want one, I can have one. It might be a bit more expensive than it was a few years ago, but at the end of the day, you acquire no license and very little checks need to occur. 
That's, um, so, to me, that's just crazy. That's like it's like buying a, a dog, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It, it lets so so reindeer in this really grey area in the UK. So technically, I think they are classed as pets, but no one knows how to look after a reindeer, so it's hard to enforce rules against them. Whereas a dog, everyone knows what dogs. There's a lot of research into UK dogs, how they're to be treated, and therefore. Um, therefore, repercussions can be given to the people that mistreat those dogs. Reindeer are in the same category, but they're with far less knowledge and far less research in the UK. Therefore, it's really hard to bring any repercussions on anyone who does anything wrong. This is an inch. So these reindeer are, so I think there was a particularly big reindeer farm based in the south east. Mm. And basic, they were basically selling to anyone, but just baby reindeer, you know. Um, so breed them, sell them without much regulation. And that's how a lot of these Cornish ones have come about. Okay. Um, so I know there's one near Bodmin, which, which this woman, I think, I can't remember why she bought the reindeer. She just loved reindeer. So she bought the reindeer and then someone I met in the Midlands, purely there I was like so why did you buy these reindeer I remember she was saying to me oh I just had a midlife crisis and I was like you have a midlife crisis and buy 16 reindeer what yeah oh it's insane so anyway so obviously you have these people getting the reindeer and you could go into what I think about the people individually because there's a lot of people treating them differently and Mm -hmm. different information that they've gathered um, from these places. However, at the end of the day, the government and the regulatory bodies, so there's a lot with DEFRA, I remember researching into, so the Department of some Ecological Agriculture. Um, so I really can't remember. It's my COVID brain. I'm yeah, trying no, I'm trying to think what DEFRA yeah. stands so for DEFRA. now. That's, yeah, um, Department of <laughs> DEF. Uh, environment farming environment? and rural environment farming and rural <laughs> there you go rural affairs it's I can never remember that I've got so I, I know someone who knows someone who works for them so I had a conversation last week about it um yeah Defra sorry carry on oh, right so Defra basically take on a little bit of the responsibility for reindeer but then they go and say actually no it's not a problem because they're not classed as farmed animals. So okay. if reindeer were classed as farmed animals, they'd have a lot more stricter regulations brought down on how people can treat them and how people report on them. Because basically at the moment, if anyone does anything to reindeer, someone buys a reindeer, kills a reindeer, loses a reindeer, there's very little they have to report back to the government. It can sort of be brushed under the rug. And therefore, if someone is just going around mistreating reindeer or losing them, yeah which you can do apparently, it goes unreported. And so there's no official figures on how many reindeer there are in the UK. So there should be really like a random, you could walk out of your house be. and see a random reindeer walking through your garden that someone's lost and just doesn't care about it's anymore. Someone's lost. And just, no, just if they get the lost, field. they get shot. That's, not That's what I would like though. to think. No, they're not allowed out into the native because they're really bad carriers of no, they're bad carriers of TD, or they're mm. quite. Because I remember when I worked on a reindeer farm, I can say this. I'm going to say it. Um, there was a moment where, so I went there to sort of be like dispatches, mm. but I ended up enjoying it, so it's fine. So I shall four dispatches taking photos. And there's this point, so about two weeks in, where they left me, just me, on the farm for about four hours. And I knew every padlock. I had every key to go release all these reindeer and apart me as like I could, I could go let them all free and proper. Obviously I would have got kicked off the course, so yeah. I didn't, but I could have. I mean, you didn't but mention anyway, that's the name of the um, farm and you're not a graduate anymore, so it doesn't matter, but that's a cool story. I mean, I know, I know what farm. you mean. I know what you mean. There's definitely people, no, I said you didn't mention that, which is probably a good thing um but yeah there's there's definitely people who have gone through 
similar thoughts. Um, maybe some sites around here. I know a few people down in Cornwall who are who are along that mindset. Um, who won't yeah. ever act on things, but it's definitely a thought. Anyone who loves animals just sees them in cages and goes, "Hmm, how? What? What if I just did this?" But yeah. But what if I accidentally just left the gate? Okay, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. We've tangents it off. No, no, that was uh, what you were talking about. Um, losing reindeer. So you know they carriers <laughs> of diseases. Oh yeah, so you won't get any of them running about. Um, so yeah, we've got basically, so the first step that I'd take to to resolving the issues with the reindeer in the UK, basically they're here now. I would easily say there's thousands, or maybe just around a thousand reindeer in the UK, quite easily. Um, or at least there were. Um, the first step would be recognising that they're either a farmed animal, or greatly improving the amount of research to them being in the UK. But I doubt that matter will happen because they're no longer being imported. So now we just have a lot of reindeer here. They're just chilling. And then you have the whole cairngorms issue. Yeah. Or, you know. Which that, is a, a bigger uh, thing, obviously. So it's got a herd. I think it's got so are the cairngorms herd kind of yeah, complete, on, almost completely free ro roaming? No, and let me tell you why. <laughs> okay. No, they're not so right. They, they act like they are. Yeah. Which, I don't know if I realised this in my dissertation or maybe just after, because I've spent a lot of time in the Cairngorms over summer. Yeah. So, yes, a lot of them are free roaming, but I suppose it, I'd love to know the exact classification of free roaming, because a lot of them are kept in a pen on the hill. It's a very big pen. It's okay. a massive pen. But, it's but still could them walk all the way to Wales? No, they couldn't. They, they are there and they're greatly influenced from their feeding times. So yeah. when they do take tourists up on the mountain, they are they are influenced to be there and to stay in that area. So okay. yeah, they're free. And then, and then finally, there is a pen down at the bottom where they do keep some reindeer, whether it be for medical issues or I'd say medical issues with um, inverted commas. Yeah. Or general to note too. So if people don't see them when they take them on the little walk, they've got some like safety reindeer almost. Uh, okay. Debatably. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to, I think this is the part that bothers me is uh, with kangaroo reindeer is they will be free roaming, needless to say, for eleven months a year, and then they take a select few reindeer to then travel the UK in the back of a van for mm. a whole month. So they do go as far down as Churro. It's fact. Okay. Wow. They, they all commit to that. So they take that trailer all the way down to Cornwall for two days, stress the reindeer out, and then take them all the way back up to northeast Scotland. Sorry, so not northeast Scotland. So they'll, they'll travel with their reindeer to make more money instead of using reindeer locally to the areas that they're going to. Yeah, ironically, reindeer locally, isn't it? Reindeer in Cornwall. There are reindeer in Cornwall. Or yeah. there's some in red roof don't get me started on that <laughs> which hey, just uh, just i mean if you want to we have time yeah you're more than welcome <laughs> to go into rip i mean people will be very surprised about the amount of uh random free roaming ruminants in in cornwall like there's camels <laughs> on the is it the lizard well the camels yeah there's camels yeah. on the lizard which has just surprised me massively there's 13, um, there's 13 camels on the lizard yeah but yeah, no, like nobody would have thought that there was reindeer in Cornwall. Just, just wouldn't have crossed their minds, I think. Um, and that's what I'm saying. They're only they're only rearing their head in Christmas, and then they're gone. I mean, before you go into the red roof thing, just quickly, do you think yeah. on the on the side of kind of animal welfare, um, do you think that there are because there there was looking through your website last night, I saw some of the captions on your photos. You yeah. had quite. I mean, I don't know if this is just for the sake of the course or the captions or to please lectures, no, but you had quite positive or, or fairly um, not negative. I'm not going to say positive, but not negative views on a couple of farmers there. I can't remember yeah. their names, but I was just wondering, do you think there is farms like the one you visited and seem to be quite positive about that are 
taking really good care of their reindeer and actually doing the best they can in a weird situation? Yeah, no, so yes, long story, short, short answer, yes, I do. Um, and these are the people I have to, so that was Cotswold Reindeer Herd where I did work. So there yeah. was obviously that bias there as I did know these people, got to know them very well. And the way I saw them treat their reindeer and the backgrounds that they came from as farmers, I couldn't not, I couldn't be angry at them because they had such a great understanding of animals and how to take care of them and their veterinary services that were going to their reindeer. They, were, they had their eyes open and they also understood that not all farms were like theirs and that they still needed to combat decisions made by the government and reindeer related issues. That, and I think they made a really good point that I think they had the greatest incentive to look after their animals to the best standard because they, the animals had to be presentable, basically. Mm. They, they had to treat them well because they had to look well in order for them to uh, perform yeah. for the services. And if they didn't, if they looked ill or misused, or misused, sorry, like abused, then that would show. And it would show, I think... That's an interesting perspective. I don't necessarily agree with it. But then I only saw the reindeer in those stables or in their sheds. And I didn't get to go onto the... So they did take them out for a couple private hires. Mm. Whether I think they went to a couple schools and they went to a couple parties. Okay. Where I didn't get to see what they did to the reindeer or necessarily how they handled them. But I, I don't know if you... Have you seen reindeer out? Have you seen them in markets and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I was I was taken to see. Uh, I think it was just not, I wasn't taken to see them, but they were there. They were at a garden centre that I went to with my nana when I was really small. Yeah. Um, so when you know before I had any clue that it was weird to have them there, they were just like, "Oh, this is really cool. There's a reindeer. Oh my god." Um, yeah, it, it is crazy. And yeah, so looking back on it, it was just a bit like ah. Yeah, no, I've I've seen them a few times. Yeah, and that's what that's what it is. So sometimes I think these places do treat them well because they need to look well. Mm. The reason they have them, they shouldn't. I don't think they should be there. But there are a few places where it's like you know I can commend you on the effort you are putting into it. But I went to a lot of places that weren't meeting that same standard, and that's when I realised the disparity between the two. I mean, at the end of the day, they are. The only reason they exist in the UK is for entertainment purposes. Oh, well, profit. Oh, uh, profit. Yeah, well, said that, George. Like, there's no, there's no other reason for them to be here. Um, Which, uh, sorry, it's just the exact point is if the irony here is if we were eating reindeer, they would have a better quality of life. That is pretty ironic. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, have to get involved. I mean, I, I saw um, there was an image that I probably will include in your the sort of post, that, uh, Instagram post that accompanies this um, episode. But the image that really got to me was the image of the, the reindeer in Dudley Zoo, um, yeah. which just looked so miserable and so just like dejected. And obviously, you know, keeping a reindeer in a zoo is a lot different than a captive herd for entertainment reasons because as you said there's not as much of an incentive it's just like keeping a pony or a donkey it's like there's not as much incentive like people don't go to Dudley Zoo to look at the reindeer they go to look <laughs> at whatever else exotic and fancy animals they have there um yeah so I mean as that's just one example but in terms of that specific kind of example of not taking care of your reindeer properly <laughs> Um, what is the whole uh, in in as like in maybe like two minutes? Don't try not to like go in on off on one, but like Red Ruth, what's the issue? Uh, Red, Red Ruth, Ruth for, for people who don't know, Red Ruth is a town in Cornwall. Just just to say, it's not like some major significant thing. It's just like it's just a little town in Cornwall, but it has it's reindeer. Like, yeah, it's like seven people. But um, right, so <laughs> Red Ruth. Um, so my bias towards Red Ruth comes from, so they are the suppliers 
for the people that go to Falmouth for Christmas. Mm. There are two rooms there, which I don't know if they did last year, but the year before and the year before, Falmouth University had two reindeer on campus. So I got in touch with this company. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, this sanctuary. Okay, right. Saying, I'd love to come and either photograph the reindeer was my first um, prompt that I went to ask them. I was like, can I come see your reindeer? And they said, no, we're far too busy. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But, but yeah, George, for people that are listening, George's face just did a little... <laughs> but everyone else I contacted was really open and lovely so this was a bit of a surprise to me but you know maybe they are just really busy and then so that was for my dissertation that I asked to go and sorry so I didn't even ask a photograph at first I went asked to write about them or to just go see them yeah. and have a little chat the second time I went was like can I come photograph them because it was my, for my portfolio so this was in so it's about three months later and they said, no, you can't come photograph the reindeer because um, you basically know there wasn't a, there wasn't there wasn't really a reason. reason. Yeah, okay. No, but I was being open about, you know, I just wanted to come photograph and get a chat to you about what you think. Um, and they said no. And then about, so they had two reindeer that they claimed to be uh, sanctuary reindeer. So they okay. picked them up. I, they didn't say where. I never found out where they came from. Yeah. And one of these reindeer um, ended up dying not too long ago, maybe earlier this year, um, which is sad. You know, it's never, never a joyous thing. This reindeer died, and then within, I think, two months, they magically found another sanctuary reindeer, George. Right. Magic. So, how many reindeer are in the two? In the state, oh, I don't know. It's yeah. it's not me if you ask me that they shouldn't that they've magically found this other reindeer to fill the spot with the reindeer that they had. It's a There's Christ, not that Christmas miracle. Thing. Can't really explain it. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Maybe it was dancer. But <laughs> I just remember seeing that and being like, they've managed to fill his boots uns like unsurprisingly quickly. And that's my tea with sorry, can I say tea? Is that yeah. lingo? No, I think... Um, that's my bit. Yeah, I, I feel like that's, um, yeah, pretty widely known as a term. Uh, I think that, yeah, that, <laughs> that whole situation just, like, screams one big red flag to me. Um, it's quite funny because I've, I've, yeah. I've laughed about this with a few other guests before, but I started out the podcast being like, oh, I'm going to be really, like, you know, non-biased journalist and, like, just tell other people's stories and not be too political and then my second ever episode was like on the uh no third episode was on the pebble mine in alaska and i was like right politics let's go um so yeah no it's it's always um good to <laughs> good to have these conversations i love it when guests come on and just immediately go off on one on on what they feel passionate about because it's important to do that you know these sort of discussions are incredibly nuanced like reindeer in the uk captive herds are a very nuanced discussion yeah. but at the same time people are entitled mm -hmm. and should have very strong opinions about it and, and will have and i'm sure there'll be a lot of people yeah. who listen to this and go wait what what what? And I beg that, please can people look into it further? Because I, I feel like yeah. there's so much room here to look into. So it would be really good to, if you feel comfortable to, to talk a bit more in detail about the actual animal welfare issues surrounding captive herds. Now you've done, gone into a bit of detail about yeah. uh, zoos and like um, there's definitely a lot that people can read from just your captions actually. They're really well written on your website. Um, so there's a lot people can learn from them. But um, for now, could you just kind of give me a small rundown of some of the specific issues uh, that affect captive herds and sort of some of the things you've experienced personally as well? Yeah, there's no problem. So um, the biggest part to know is reindeer are very susceptible to stress. Mm. So the easiest way to stress a reindeer is to put it in an unfamiliar environment surrounded by loud noises and bright lights so pretty much the only reason they exist in the uk to do that yeah so. and that's what happens and then 
do we know the exact repercussions of this? No, because it doesn't have to be documented. Yeah. So when reindeer stress, it lowers their immunity and they're becoming much more susceptible to smaller diseases, small diseases and effects that will just, it, it will just make them ill. And once they're yeah. ill, it's even harder for them to receive treatment because reindeer in the UK, it's not a greatly researched area. There are a few, there's one vague organisation and the RSPCA have a little foundation of knowledge but to get accurate treatment is very difficult especially so this is part of it that in the UK the smallest things that I've also heard of from reindeer herders in the UK that a vet will judge a reindeer they won't properly weigh it mm. a reindeer will look a lot heavier than they actually are due to their fur and their fur's hollow really cool I could go into reindeer facts all day we're not going to go into it so their fur's hollow, so it makes them, so it's light. It's very light fur. Yeah. But a uh, vet can look at that reindeer and go, that's 250 kilograms, because that's around the same size as a small horse would be. Right. But that would okay. be completely inaccurate, because, but they, yeah, so, that's what someone told me this. So they're genuinely, and then they prescribe the amount that that reindeer needs, based off their rough estimate of how heavy they think that reindeer is. Now that's anecdotal, obviously, it's not going to be every bit and they should have that foundation knowledge to go weigh that animal. But yeah. it's quite hard to weigh a reindeer as well, because they don't like to be touched, which is a thing. Um, so taking that to account, so it's just a lacking of knowledge that can result in wrong treatments, and especially when they're being stressed out so much this time of year, mm. you know, and so more importantly, so the whole reason here is for entertainment and the bright lights, loud noises and unfamiliar sounds. The debate would be that they're used to this. But no, they're not. It happens once a month out of 12. Yeah. So, so they have all that time to, well, they have all that time to de-acclimatise to it. Yeah, and exactly. And this is what I like What's that? And then they immediately get shoved back into it and go, ah, what am I doing? Ah, yeah, what's going on? And that's what bothers me so much about Cairngorm reindeer. Like, guaranteed, the reindeer farms where they're kept in those small fenced areas with no roaming room, which reindeer naturally do, they migrate thousands of miles. It's so depressing to see them in these little sheds, these little pens, like any farmed animal. Yeah. It's depressing. But then Cairngorm reindeer are claiming to be free roaming, that they're better than everyone else. But then they take these reindeer out of this environment, free roaming, used liberally, and they are shoved into these environments which they're very unfamiliar with. Yeah. So whether they're actually doing something better is my thing, because I don't know if it is. I think that's definitely an important what? question for uh, my listeners to ponder and to like to think about. Um, especially if they're people who I'm sure that there's going to be people listening to this. Um, I know I get a lot of kind of older people, uh, parents listening to my podcast who are probably going to, if not have already taken their kids to see a reindeer this Christmas and then will listen to this and hopefully learn something. Um, and that's, yeah, I think it's, it's really important. Uh, I don't want to go on for too long, but the stress is a big thing that I want to focus on. Um, so I'm really glad you, yeah brought that into um into the podcast now a friend of mine um amazing person and human has an amazing podcast called idealistically podcast where she talks to this is not an ad by the way it sounds like an ad it's not an ad so i really <laughs> love this podcast um and Follow the QR code. Sorry, she, <laughs> she talks to people um you know activists and change makers and educators and incredible humans uh about their ideal world and it's also something an, an element of that i'd like to kind of take um take away and and bring into my own podcast so if you i mean in your ideal world so idealistically um with the situation with reindeer in the uk what what would you like to see would you like to see an end to all displays would you like to see more protests about about it would you like to see more education um, yes, yes to all. I would like to see more education and more protests. But at the end of the day, so in an ideal world, the reindeer, the, I don't think the reindeer should be here. Mm. 
However, they are here. So in an ideal world, what I would want is for the government to regulate it, yeah. bring up rules that there are no further reindeers allowed to be bred in the UK because they're unsuitable for this environment and the whole justifying them being here is incorrect. There's plenty of alternatives for animal entertainment. It's unneeded. And then to see that population that are currently in the UK slowly decline, whether naturally, through no hard means, obviously, if that requires for their upkeep, there must be, I don't want to say for them to be used as entertainment, but as long as it's done regulated and in the correct manner, and that there's no further breeding of these animals, for that to slowly decline, and then in 40 years, there's no reindeer in the UK, and that proper conservation work can be done into the migratory routes around Scandinavia and Northern America. That's my ideal world. But the side note of that would be making sure that just because reindeer entertainment's going down, it's followed by all exotic animals going down, which is a real, I forgot the organisation that focuses on this. I'm so sorry. There's Animal Aid and then as a part, there's another, there's another charity who are working for all domestic animals used in entertainment. And so like camels, you know, um, mobile zoos, it's a very similar, uh, it's a very similar debate of mobile zoos for that all to slowly come down with that. Because I don't think we should have exotic animals in this country. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's really, a really great answer. Um, because I think it's, yeah, it's one of these always constantly nuanced topics, but I, I would definitely agree with you. Um, it seems that the, yeah, the, the lack of regulation around them is, is really shocking. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it is an ideal world, but hopefully not just a pipe dream. Hopefully, you know, more people will, will hear about it and get involved. Um, I wanted to ask quickly before we before we kind of wind down. Um, wanted to ask your your graduate book. Are you the the sort of book of photos that you did and your research and everything? Is it going to yeah. stay graduate project? Is it going to stay within the realms of uni, or are you going to take it forward? Will people be able to learn from your work? Oh, um, it is a graduate project. Unfortunately, I okay. do. I did really invest my time and energy into it, and even speaking to you now I'm very like I'm very excited and I think not excited I'm very invested like I think it's such a good area and I want to inspire more people to look into it yeah um but it is just a graphic project and then because I have other areas I sort of want to look into and perhaps different issues that I want to take my time to find out but yeah yeah well hopefully people can follow on from this podcast even if they can't um see the work you've done properly obviously there is some images and captions and stuff on your on your website and on your social media um now obviously we've spoken about some really important but also um quite sad things uh animal welfare issues within reindeer herds are incredibly sad um and i definitely like to uh, encourage all my listeners if we haven't done this already because we've done this a lot already but you can't do it enough really do your research and look into it more before going I, I don't know reindeer displays are probably winding down now it's the week before Christmas everyone's a little busy but if you're Christmas shopping in a garden centre that has reindeer just talk to the people that have them or like explore more around the subjects you know look into the company that's providing those particular reindeer it's um a big issue that we should be exploring but to kind of end on a bit of a higher note i i have sort of winged it with this and said it's a christmas special because it's coming out on the 23rd maybe the 24th if you're lucky and it has reindeer and there is i think one vegan mince pie in the house so that i'm in so i think we can call it a christmas special um not strictly true but there's still time to save it because i'm going to ask you for either a favorite festive reindeer story or a terrible cracker joke christmas cracker joke what will it be okay i'm gonna do the cracker joke okay we've prepared that we've prepared this one before are, are Just, you ready? it sounds very prepared i haven't heard the joke but this sounds very prepared so we have 
in the sake of transparency. Um, <laughs> this is pre-rehearsed. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Shoot. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Right, let me compose myself. I'm awful at telling jokes. <laughs> okay. How much did Santa's sleigh cost? How much? Nothing. It was on the house. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I don't know why I laughed. That's, why did I laugh? I think that's, that's truly terrible. It's Sorry? so bad, isn't it? My my second one I prefer. Okay, yeah, go for your second one. That's I mean, all Christmas I've never heard a good, genuinely good Christmas joke. They're all terrible. That that's what makes them good. That's what makes them good. And this one's on theme as well. I had two. I had two okay. ready. Okay. This one's yeah, a bit a bit too relatable for today. Yeah. But what do reindeer use to clean their sleigh? What? Sanitizer. Well, <laughs> that's I'm not even going to laugh at that one. No, just, just no. It's okay, I found myself funny. So it's yeah, the, the first one was better. You found uh, the first one? That's my icebreaker one. I, I think Literally. that there's, um, I think, <laughs> that's a hidden joke there, pun intended. Um, I think that there's genuinely something about jokes, especially around Christmas. Um, I can't remember who told me this, but it's like a, if you laugh at a joke, you inherently find it funny, even if you say, oh, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I can't control myself. Like, your brain is finding it funny. Yeah. You can't, it's sorry, but you, you're just a person who laughs at bad jokes. And I, exactly. I, I have very rarely not laughed at a joke. It's just because, I, I don't know, I just find everything really funny. Um, it's a good way to live. So before we finish, before we finish mm -hmm. properly, um, we're going to do a little quick fire round. So this is four questions that I ask all my guests oh, yeah. so I didn't let you prepare for this ahead of time because that defeats the point of a quick fire round theoretically yeah. I realized after saying that that anyone could prepare for these because they're the same four questions over the last 27 episodes they've been the same questions um just with different answers Fantastic. so you could have just listened to anything I've ever done and prepared um I hope you didn't because it's more fun but okay, I didn't. So that's great. That's all good. First question: um, What's your favourite animal? Oh, oh, what's my favourite animal? Um, a humpback whale. Where is a, the one the the place you most like to go and connect with nature? Somewhere outdoors, you feel really at home. Um, in the Cairngorms currently, big soft spot. Do you have a yeah. conservation hero? And by this, I mean just someone in who you've always looked up to. It doesn't have to be someone famous, just someone that inspires everything you do. Oh, um, I think maybe just because I saw them posting today. This is going to be very specific. And I think it classes a conservation here. It's a very, it's, so this Aberdeenshire, Aberdeen uh, woman, she's currently starting up a, an observatory point near Aberdeen Harbour hmm. to promote the local wildlife so that's the dolphins the whales the everything so it's going to be like a little cafe charity point where people can go and engage with nature from Aberdeen City so it's called it's called the Greyhead Bay Project and Fiona McIntyre runs it and I saw recently that her, her little pod area and she'd been doing it for years but she'd finally got the first foundations in for her little observatory point Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, so that's probably the thing that I saw today that really stood out for me, the woman who stood out today to finally start achieving those goals to engage local people and also people from maybe not as advantageous backgrounds in Aberdeen because of the area it's located in, into that natural point and to be able to show them the beauty of the northeast. Last off, last question, how do you take your coffee? I'm like a, I'm like a baby. I have two sugars, milk. And today it was two sugars, milk, and Baileys. So, not not the best thing when you have a a really horrible respiratory virus to have alcohol, <laughs> alcohol and caffeine together. But um, sure, it's whatever works for you. I think to get through this, it's um, yeah, it's whatever works for you. Uh, that's a new one. That's definitely a new one. We've never had that before on the podcast. 
So, I mean, I think we can kind of wrap it up. But before we finish, I just want to ask, where can people find you if you want to advertise yourself, social media, online handles? Make it, um, they can follow me on Instagram, um, at Charlesworth Jess. Um, that's the best place. That's where I post the most. That's where I'm trying to grow my audience a little bit. Um, and my website, email me. I'd love to speak to people if anyone does look into this. Uh, even if it's to just teach me a little bit more, because obviously I don't know everything and I don't know every situation. So yeah, Instagram, Charles with Jess. I'm on Twitter. I think that's that's about it for me. Or just get message me in person. Come find me in person. Come up to the Cairngorms. When you're there. I give you my address. What's up? When you're there. I don't think well, I don't think exactly. I don't think anyone's gonna be making the trek out to the Arctic anytime soon. Um, yeah, don't you, know, you can't come up here now I'm isolating. So in Scotland it'll be. But um yeah, thank you so much. This has been great. Um really good episode and I'm I'm looking forward to as usual seeing what you do in the future. Thanks again to Jess for taking the time to speak to me today. All the links to her social media will be in the description down below. So in today's episode, my coffee feature is again from Origin. I have featured this company before in season one, but they've just released a really great Christmas blend, and I thought now would be a good time to talk about them again if you haven't started the podcast from episode one. Origin roast their beans locally to me down here in Cornwall, and as a certified B Corporation, they tick all the boxes to meet the highest standards of traceability, accountability, and sustainability. All the links to their website will be, as ever, in the description down below. Coffee with Conservationists is now available on Spotify, Anchor, Google and Apple Podcasts, as well as a few more streaming services. As ever, thank you all so much for listening. I've been your host, George Tiedman-Jones, and this is Coffee with Conservationists.